the pandemic forced my hand a little bit. It made me look at my career and say, look, you've desired something different for a while, but you haven't done it. You haven't had the push to do it yet. And here's your push. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast dedicated to helping you reinvent your career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and truly enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have decided to step off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and do work that matters. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you understand what it takes to relaunch your own career. Today, my guest is going to share her story of relaunching her career from being a flight attendant to a software coder. We'll talk about how you can tell whether now is the right time to make a change in your career and some common hurdles that stand in the way of starting something new. Afterwards, I'll address a listener question about other parts of your life you may want to reevaluate when you're also reevaluating your career. Before we get started today, I wanted to let you know I'm hosting my very first virtual fireside chat on February 25th about managing career change during challenging times. I've heard from so many of you who have shared stories with me of upheaval in your careers during the past few months. So with that in mind, if you could benefit from discussing some of your professional challenges with others going through similar challenges, I'd invite you to join my virtual fireside chat where you can ask me any question you have about career change, share your own perspectives and stories, and also connect with similarly-minded individuals in our global community of Career Relaunch podcast listeners around the world. You can sign up for the free event at careerrelaunch.net slash 221. Just so you know, space is limited to the first 50 people who register. Again, you can register at careerrelaunch.net slash 221. Okay, on to today's show. Today, I'm speaking with Christine Snow, who spent seven years as a flight attendant, but whose career trajectory completely changed when the pandemic hit in early 2020. While she was at home on a six-month leave from flying last summer, she decided to learn how to code, and it hooked her interest and creativity. She eventually applied for and was accepted into Zip Code, a competitive 12-week software development boot camp in Wilmington, Delaware. Having graduated last month, Right before we actually recorded our conversation, she had just begun her job search and interview process with nothing guaranteed, but she told me that learning this new skill has given her the confidence and hope to start a brand new career for herself in the tech industry and that she couldn't be more excited. Now, I wanted to get Christine on the show because I try to feature people here who don't just share a snapshot of the before and after of their career change, but who can also share what they're actually going through during the change when they're still trying to figure it all out. I also wanted to get someone on the show whose career has been directly affected by the pandemic, but has managed to take matters into her own hands and find a way to pursue a promising new career path. Even if you're someone whose career hasn't been significantly altered recently, I hope her story can help you reassess whether your career path is still right for you and also serve as a reminder that radical career pivots are definitely possible if you're willing to invest some serious time and effort into paving that new path for yourself. You can get all the show notes from today's episode at careerrelaunch.net slash 72. Christine spoke with me from Media, Pennsylvania. Hello, Christine, and thank you so much for joining me today on Career Relaunch. You are actually the very first guest I've had on the show in a while since the pandemic hit last year. So really appreciate your time today. 
Thanks for having me. Can you start by giving me a glimpse into what you have been focused on recently in your career and your life? I spent about the last eight years as a flight attendant in the U.S. Clearly, I was uh, in the industry that was very heavily affected when the pandemic really hit last spring. I think in the U.S. is when we first really noticed it in March. And I spent most of the next six months at home in my apartment, just rethinking my whole career and and what this meant for the rest of my life. Did I want to try and stay in this career if I was even able to industry-wise? And during that time, I discovered this deep interest in tech and coding. So you are catching me after I just completed this three-month coding boot camp in Wilmington, Delaware to become a Java developer. Okay. Well, congratulations, first of all, on that. And I know that things have actually evolved quite a bit since we first connected last month. So I want to get into your current situation in more detail when we get to the latter part of our conversation today. I know you mentioned that you haven't always been a coder, and I would like to start by going back in time and want to talk about your time as a flight attendant. This is something that you did for seven years at the start of your career, and I'd love for you to just start by telling us how you got into that industry. I was in college uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. I was graduating with my bachelor's degree in English with a focus in Victorian era poetry, actually, at the time. I was only 21. I didn't know what I wanted to do at all. I've never been one of those people who was clear on what I wanted for the rest of my life. So I thought at the time, well, I really love analyzing poetry or, you know, any kind of literature. So maybe I'll just go on and get my master's in that. And at the time, a friend of a friend who was a flight attendant heard that I was graduating and she told me, Christine, you know, my company's hiring, I could refer you. And at the time I was like, well, sure, why not? Like, I might as well, if they will hire me, like I might as well put off more college for a degree I'm not even sure that I want to go have fun. So um, that's actually how I first got into it. Luckily, I I was hired at the time. And um, yeah, I spent the next seven years flying. Okay. And can you tell me a little bit about which carrier you worked for and what the nature of your role was? What exactly did you do on a day-to-day basis? I worked for Delta Airlines. When I was first hired, I was sent to New York to the New York City base. And um, I spent most of the next seven years as a New York City based flight attendant. So it was quite a big change in my life. Anyone who goes into the airline industry gets a, a big change schedule wise. You are constantly traveling, especially when you're new, you're working a lot of back to back trips. So you're not home very much. But if you are excited to travel and meet new people and you don't need to be home every single night, it is the perfect job. It definitely was that for me for a while. I guess all of us have crossed paths if you've ever flown with a flight attendant and that's going to be your your primary point of contact on a flight. And it's one of those vocations I've always found to be very fascinating. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the good, bad, and ugly about being a flight attendant to kind of demystify the industry a bit. And these are questions I've always just wanted to ask a flight attendant, but has just never had the opportunity to do that. First of all, can you just explain a little bit about what it takes to become a flight attendant? What's involved with the training 
in the U.S., when you get hired to work for a major carrier like Delta, they put you through about seven weeks of training at wherever their base headquarters are. This involves emergency training, mechanical emergency training on different aircraft types and training you how to evacuate a plane in under a certain amount of time, all the different doors for all the different types of aircraft in the fleet. You have to be certified on those and how you would operate them both normally and in an emergency. Um, And you undergo a lot of training as well for medical emergencies. As everyone knows, anything can happen, you know, at any time. The only difference in flight is you're kind of stranded up there. So there's definitely medical emergency training and as well uh, customer service training and how to de-escalate situations and how to handle cultural situations that maybe you weren't prepared for before you joined the industry. I, I know that you mentioned de-escalating situations. I know that's been a really big role that has emerged from flight attendants just in recent months with the pandemic and face masks and all that. And so I'm, I probably won't get into that, but I am curious about the social side of it. You, you mentioned the interaction with people who are flying and passengers. One of the things I've always wondered about, Christine, and this is probably more on like longer haul flights, is that flight attendants spend a lot of time with one another with fellow flight attendants, and and maybe this is just my perception, but I've always just been curious, what do you guys talk about when you're you're kind of in the back of the plane and you're between serving meals? And I just feel like you guys are flying together, you're traveling together, you're, you're probably going to the same hotels. And like, what is that side of the world of flight attendant life like? Because that's an element that you may not get as much of in other, I'll call them more kind of nine to five traditional office jobs. (laughs) You're right. Definitely. We spend a lot of time together, um, even just in flight talking. Some of that's talking with passengers, you know, who may come to the back just to hang out for a while, but a lot of talking with just crew. And there's actually a term that flight attendants use to describe what happens uh, called jump seat therapy, where you may have never flown with this other flight attendant before, but you guys are seated, you know, on jump seats right next to each other for, you know, right. however many days. <laughs> I, and I see that. I can kind of tell sometimes if people like don't know one another so well. Yeah. It is a lot of meeting new people, not just meeting new passengers, but at least at my company, it was constant meeting new coworkers and knowing there's a possibility that I may never fly with this person again. It's a very unique work environment, I found, just in that alone, because you might make these great connections with other crew members, you know, and and not see them again. It can also be helpful because if you did not bond particularly with a, a crew right. member, you might also not see them again. So it's very interesting. You're right. So just a couple more questions. I do want to talk about what happened in March 2020, because I'm really interested to hear about your transitions. Before we get to that, any major misconceptions you feel people have about being a flight attendant? And I guess we'll first talk about other people's perceptions and then maybe some of your perceptions in a moment. A lot of my friends and people I've flown with feel that flight attendants are seen as just the waitress or the waiter in the sky, and they feel that passengers forget sometimes that we're there for their safety a bit. You know, we're there for both. We want everyone to have a good flight, but our job is more than just bringing you your Coke, for example. We're trained, you know, to make sure that people (laughs) make it through the flight, that if anything goes wrong, we can handle it. 
I think a lot of flight attendants wish that people considered that more well-rounded picture, I guess, of what a flight attendant does. Yeah, I guess there is that huge element of safety that that people sometimes overlook but and take for granted, but it's such a big part of the job. Are there any things that surprised you the most about being a flight attendant, either pleasant surprises, but also any sort of unexpected challenges in the job? Pretty much all of your training is what to do when the worst happens or what to do if someone gets ill. And then you get on the line, you know, and you're flying and pretty much all of your job turns into customer service. And then you're surprised every once in a while when something really does go wrong and you instantly have to respond. I I remember I was pretty new at the time, maybe only a year or two in, and a woman in front of me, in front of the whole plane, actually, I was standing nearby, thankfully, but she just started choking on her sandwich. And it became apparent very quickly that she was not able to get it out of her mouth. And she stood up and she came over to me and I, I was heading over to her anyway. And I started doing the Heimlich maneuver. And I was just in shock the whole time that like I was actually doing this. It's pretty crazy how quickly everything can change. And she was fine. She was totally fine. You know, the sandwich came out and everything went back to normal. But right after that particular moment, another passenger came up from another part of the plane as soon as this woman was breathing again, he came up to me and he started complaining that his bag wasn't directly above his seat in the overhead bin. And I just remember standing there like, what? Oh, gosh, <laughs> It's just a world of contradictions, I think. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Passengers can sometimes be the most unpleasant people, I would imagine. <laughs> so, well, I could, I could ask you probably about 50 other questions about this. Christine, but I know the show is about transition. So I do want to talk now and shift gears and talk about your transition out of the world of being a flight attendant. And we got to talk about March, 2020. That's when, as you mentioned, the pandemic started to hit in the U.S. just at its infancy. I know it might be hard to go back a year, but can you take me back to the moment in March 2020, where you started to notice something happening on flights? I don't think I'll ever forget it. It was, I think, probably like March 15th. It was right in the middle of the month, um, and I was working a three-day trip. And at the beginning of the trip, all of our flights were still, you know, full, overbooked, oversold. And uh, starting on like about the second or third day of the trip, flights were just empty, these large planes, we would have maybe eight passengers. And that was just completely unheard of. So it was quite a shock from that perspective, just seeing who was showing up and that people weren't coming. But also um, just kind of getting alarmed, you know, knowing that we didn't really have the protective gear we needed yet. And we still had to work, you know, seven more flights before we made it home. And being a little nervous, you know, to close the overhead bins, you know, like, what am I going to pick up if I close this one? Or, you know, I don't want to rearrange that bag because what if something's there, you know, uh, we didn't have any of the gloves yet, no masks. It was like realizing that the whole world was changing um, in front of your eyes within a week, I think. And what was running through your head when that happened? Were you thinking, okay, this is a temporary thing or what did you think was going to happen and, and what started to transpire in your head as it relates to your own career as a flight attendant? I know a lot of people at the time were like expecting it to be over in a month or two. And to me at the time, I already felt like something had changed for me. 
something with the whole job had changed. It was a big shift for me um, walking through the plane and not feeling safe from germs, you know, that I couldn't see. It really took the fun out of meeting all the different passengers and getting to have these interesting conversations with different people. And it wasn't fun anymore. You know, I I didn't want to leave the house to do that anymore. And uh, it really affected my view of the whole industry. So around that time, the company that I was at, Delta, offered leaves that people could just sign up for to take. Since there was also reduced flying, it would help the rest of the company out. And I signed up right away. You know, I took a six month leave. And I remember that whole time being at home, just wondering, like, I don't think that this will go back to normal the way it used to be for me. I knew I would never feel the same way that I did about it before, but I also didn't know when the industry would would go back. Was it around that time that you then started to think about coding? How did that emerge? I'm just curious because it's quite the pivot to start thinking about coding um, after being a flight attendant. I actually read an article when I was at home on my leave and it was something silly. I, I don't know where I saw it, but it was about how young people when they're at home during this time should be learning Java. And at the time, I did not even know what Java was. But it reminded me, you know, of, of a little course I had taken a couple of years ago that it was really much, not much of anything, but I had taken a small little course on HTML in the past. And this reminded me of that. So I thought, you know what, I really need something to do while I'm sitting here at home. Why not? Why not just brush up on that? So I started um, reviewing HTML and learning CSS. CSS is like a lot of styling web pages. That was really fun for me because I'm I'm a creative person and I, I loved seeing like the different things I could do with a web page. But I realized as I was studying those that those weren't really cool unless you had some kind of language that could make those do something. So I started learning JavaScript just to make, you know, my web pages work, make them interesting. You're just learning this on your own, like in your own time. Yeah. And you're, okay. Yes. Well, I had nothing but time. <laughs> okay, right, that's true. Yeah. But you're like literally just teaching it to yourself through through books and references online or Yes. There's actually a lot of really great free references for anyone who wants to dip their toes in. There's a lot online if you just search for it, even just for free. That's really all I was doing at the time. How did you find that transition for you? Going from flight attendant and traveling all over the place to then being at home 24-7 and on top of that, learning a completely new skill set. What was that like for you? So at the time, um, a lot of my friends were also at home. A lot of my flight attendant friends and they were having a terrible time. You know, they all wanted to be flying. They missed, you know, going to Paris or whatever. And and I didn't. And I knew in that moment, oh gosh, okay, so I don't fit the same way that I used to with this career. Something has changed kind of irrevocably in, in me. And I knew that I was enjoying coding. And I knew that the more I learned with that, it seemed that the more I found to learn and the more excited I was about, about digging into it. So I thought, well, it only makes sense. I know that I feel different about this career than I used to. And I'm really excited by this new one. And I know that tech is a growing field right now. And I just thought, well, I better put all my energies behind this because I'm never going to find a better time. You know, if it doesn't work out, I'll, I'll go back to flying uh, whenever they're, they're ready to have us all back. But if this does work out, I don't need to go back and I can leave my position to people who want it more than I do. 
You mentioned something interesting there. You said that it felt different. You felt different from how you felt when you were a flight attendant. I know this might be kind of tough, but can you describe in words how it was different? And the reason why I ask, Christina, sometimes it's hard to decipher and clarify whether something is better for you or not. So I'd just be curious what you noticed about yourself doing one versus the other. When I first started as a flight attendant, I was so excited. I was never bored. Even if all I did was fly between, you know, Atlanta and Minneapolis or something like that, I was having the best time and I was meeting these interesting people and nothing was boring for me during this past summer of 2020 when I was at home. The thought of going back to flying was boring. It no longer held that interest for me. I felt like in going back to that, I was only going to be exposing myself to risks that didn't give me the satisfaction that I used to have from it. For me, I'm motivated by what I feel passionate about. And what I feel passionate about are different things that I'm learning, different things that have grabbed my attention during the time. And coding and tech, I'm using coding, I guess, as a blanket term, but coding had really ignited that interest in me. And it just seemed like a field that I could explore and not get tired of exploring. And it seemed like on top of uh, having so much to learn in a really exciting way with it, it seemed very creative, which I had never anticipated before I had started trying to learn to code. And at what point did you feel like this could become something bigger, like an entirely new chapter in your career? Because it's one thing to be learning a new skill on the side, and it's another to then start to feel like, hey, this could actually be a new career path for me. Can you remember when that moment happened for you? Yes. My husband actually was still working at the time. And I think he was telling his friends at work, oh yeah, you know, Christine's been learning HTML, CSS, JavaScript. She's just learning to code while she's at home. And they were like, have you heard about Zip Code Wilmington, this school in Wilmington that helps teach people how to become software developers? And then um, it has a really good reputation for helping them network and getting them jobs afterwards. And we had never heard of this. My husband came home and told me about it. And I realized in that moment, as I was looking it up, that this was a real thing and that it was a a really achievable thing within reach. If I could get into the school, there was a serious chance that I could have a career as a software developer for a financial institution in Delaware. And just knowing that there was a route, knowing that this had been done, that the people who went to this school had came from all different backgrounds, like me. You know, it was a very, very diverse background pool that this school pulls from. And uh, just knowing that that path was there made me realize, oh, this is this is a possibility. I know you've now finished at Zip Code, so we're kind of fast forwarding to the current day. That, as I understand it from when you talked with me before, is it's a 12-week course, right? And then you graduate. And the idea is that it can be an on-ramp to some potential professional roles in the future. Do I have that right? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. I know that things have actually transpired for you before we get to where you're at at this specific moment. And I know things have changed even since we last spoke a couple of weeks ago. I'd love to just talk about a couple of the lessons that you've learned along the way of your career change journey. I think when we spoke last time, and I think you've alluded to this today, Christine, you said that a lot of colleagues told you that being a flight attendant was, I think you mentioned, the best job you'll ever have. Yes, exactly. 
but that you actually realized deep down that that wasn't true for you. And this is a common dynamic that comes up with really any job when you start to share your sentiments or doubts with your immediate colleagues. I've found that in many of those situations, people whether they're your immediate colleagues or friends or family, tend to err on the side of reminding you how lucky you are to have what you have for you just to be happy with what you've got. And there's this tension between wondering if the job you have is as good as it gets and something you should just be content with, or if there's actually some more fulfilling option out there for you to pursue knowing that it may be more rewarding, but maybe it's not going to be more rewarding. So I'm just curious, how did you cut through the noise and make sense of whether your former job as a flight attendant was or was not as good as it gets? I'm glad you brought this up because for so many years, you know, I was there for seven, seven and a half years. I did not cut through that noise. I'm the kind of person who really likes to take people's advice (laughs) I guess that's been to my detriment in some cases, but I wouldn't change anything in my life. But I know if I had been more confident listening to myself and what I knew, you know, deep inside that this was not this job, my career as a flight attendant was not going to um, keep me happy forever. I knew that much earlier on. I knew that probably year two or year three flying. And I stayed for seven years. Um, You hear constantly, constantly that this is the best job you'll ever have. I was afraid that there was a possibility they would be right. They would talk about people who left and all they wanted to do was apparently come back and be a flight attendant again. And I was afraid that would be me. And you have to face down your fear, but I did not feel that I could do that before this past summer because I didn't know what direction I wanted to go in. The pandemic forced my hand a little bit. It made me look at my career and say, you've desired something different for a while, but you haven't done it. You haven't had the push to do it yet. And here's your push. You're right in the middle of this pandemic. You're on a six month leave. This is your chance. Take it. I'm really grateful that I was able to do that during the pandemic. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there who were less than satisfied in their careers beforehand. Maybe this is actually a perfect opportunity for people to be exploring what they're more interested in. I just feel so, so lucky that it has all worked out for me so far. When we spoke before, you also mentioned something interesting to me that you said, you know, in your heart, whether something fills you up, can you explain what you meant by that? The joy of doing what you're doing when you're doing a job that makes you feel fulfilled that just brings you so much contentment. You know that you're fully where you want to be in your life. And I had lost that feeling for a while with flying. Learning to code was kind of like rediscovering that joy again. It's, it's so hard to explain. Yeah, it's one of those tough things. I think it's what your heart knows, but you can't really rationalize with your head. It's just like a feeling, I guess, that you get. Last question before we wrap up with what you're doing right now, having been through this career change journey, and I know you're still in the middle of it, as you now look ahead to the next chapter of your career, what are you the most nervous about and what are you the most excited about? I'm nervous about keeping up. Tech seems to constantly be changing and growing in different ways and It seems like the companies who come out on top or the people who come out doing well are the ones who are good at pivoting 
and growing their skills in a certain area, maybe um, knowing, knowing where to learn. That worries me, I guess, a little bit, but I'm also, that's also partially what excites me just because I know that there's going to be so much variety still in what I'm doing, continuing in tech, I'll constantly have the ability to learn different technologies, different things that I can do and and grow in that way. That's, yeah, it's both the fear and the excitement because you're always a little nervous. Hey, um, am I an imposter in this situation? Am I going to be able to keep my head above water? What if the job that I get is too advanced? You know, how am I going to keep up? But you just got to keep reminding yourself, you, you made it this far, you know, you've, you've learned so much already. You just got to believe it's going to keep carrying you through. On that note, I would like to wrap up with what you're doing now. And I know you just got some news. Could you tell me a little bit more about what's next for you? Yeah, since we last talked, Zipcode hosts this power interview week at the end of the cohort um, for all the students who graduated. Um, and they help to set up interviews with their hiring partners, which are financial institutions in the area, and their students. And luckily, I was offered a job, actually, by one of those institutions. So right now, I'm just going through signing all the paperwork, and I should be starting at that new company on March 1st. Wow. Congratulations. Christine. That's fantastic <laughs> news. That's uh, I know when we last spoke, I think you, you hadn't quite even graduated at zip code. And now fast forward to today and you've got a job offer in hand. So that's great news. That's fantastic. And um, I'm just so grateful, really. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't believe it. I feel like my whole life has changed. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I just wanted to thank you so much for telling us more about your former life as a flight attendant and the steps you took proactively to pivot into coding and also the importance of listening to yourself and paying attention to what truly excites you. And I think you're absolutely right about the fact that this is a really good time to reevaluate what truly matters. And you've certainly reminded us of that. So best of luck with your role and congratulations again on finishing up at Zip Code. And please stay safe. Thank you so much, Joseph. You too. So I hope you heard some useful insights from Christine about the emotions of changing careers, the importance of facing your fears, and the upside of unexpected upheaval. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to address a listener question about the consequences a drastic career shift can have on the rest of your life. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I'd like to thank Audible for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks offering over 180,000 audiobook titles for listening anytime and anywhere on your favorite device. And for listeners of this show, they're offering a free audiobook download and 30-day trial. Just go to audibletrial.com slash career relaunch to download your free audiobook today. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. And for today's Mental Fuel, while we're talking about the importance of making choices that fulfill you, I wanted to address this listener question from a nurse practitioner named Ellen, located not too far from Christine in nearby Philadelphia. Hi, Joseph. Big thanks for your Career Relaunch podcast. I find it terrifically useful and listen almost every day. This is Ellen, the nurse practitioner from Philadelphia. I just want to say that you and your listeners are so generous with sharing your gripping stories of career reinvention. You've all inspired me in some way, and I'm so grateful. My question is less about my personal career shift and more about some unintended consequences along this path. 
Did you or your listeners notice that while making drastic changes in your career, that you suddenly felt compelled to look at other aspects of your life that might be in need of updating or refreshing? I personally have been changing my exercise regimen, my health practices, my diet and sleep practices, my spiritual practices, even certain relationships and friendships have been under closer assessment. And asking myself, do these parts of my life still serve my present-day preferred lifestyle values and priorities? It can be overwhelming, and I'm just wondering if other folks experienced this sort of change ripple effect. I appreciate any responses, and thanks again for your great support, and love your show. Well, first off, Ellen, thanks so much for being a loyal listener. I'm very happy to hear you find the show useful and inspiring, and I hope you're doing well there in Philadelphia under the current circumstances, especially since you're a healthcare worker yourself. I've actually personally been hearing from more nurses these days who have been under a lot of pressure with the pandemic, and I'm sure you've made a lot of sacrifices for the rest of us right now, so thank you very much for everything you're doing. Now, to answer your question, I absolutely think that reevaluating your career inevitably forces you or, as you mentioned, compels you to also reconsider whether you're approaching the rest of your life in a way that serves your priorities and values. I'll just share a couple personal anecdotes on this and also relay a few of the things I regularly hear from clients and people who attend my workshops. First off, from personal experience, I can tell you that pretty much every single career change I've gone through in my life has resulted in me also changing another part of my life. Whether you're talking about physical health, mental health, social life, personal growth, and definitely relationships, when you change careers, it tends to have a domino effect on how you run the rest of your life. Now, you mentioned things like exercise, health practices, diet, relationships, Just to share an example from my own career, when I left the corporate world to start my own business back in 2013, I don't know if it happened before or after or at the same time, but when I made that professional move, I also remember wanting to have more of two things in my personal life. Number one, time with the important people in my life, and number two, space to take care of my own physical health. So on that first point, when I shifted to self-employment, I also wanted to make sure I structured it in a way that allowed me to spend more time with people I wanted to spend more time with, including my wife, friends in different geographies, and the rest of my family. And yes, although it didn't happen right away, I definitely remember making a conscious effort to distance myself from a handful of friends who weren't putting in the same kind of effort I was into maintaining contact. The other thing I noticed during my final days working in the corporate world as a brand marketer was that I wasn't really making enough time to take care of myself. I definitely remember feeling tired a lot and not being in the best shape of my life. And so even though I was still working as hard during the early days of starting my own business, if not harder than I was in the corporate world, and it didn't necessarily happen right away, I eventually did make a point to better prioritize my health, and that meant making a commitment to swim regularly, to eat better, and to try to sleep more. The other thing I wanted to mention was that in my work with private clients, And also from crossing paths with and actually polling now thousands of people who have attended my career workshops, I have consistently seen that people who are reevaluating their careers 
also end up reevaluating the rest of their lives. It happens all the time. And I can think of specific examples of people who have told me that they've ended relationships, moved cities, or had a tough conversation with someone in their life that they've wanted to have for a long time. Also people who have decided to pursue another degree, to finally pursue a side interest, or to just take some time to reprioritize themselves and reconnect with their personal interests. So you're absolutely doing the right thing in taking this time while you're reconsidering what you want in your career to also reconsider what you want in the rest of your life. My only watch out here is to perhaps be cautious about changing too many things at once, which can be overwhelming. I found it's helpful to have at least a couple anchors firmly in place to prevent too much volatility in your life landing at the same time. But I really think that there is an upside to chaotic moments in our lives. And sometimes, as Christine mentioned, it actually requires a bit of crisis to force us to make those bold, much-needed, overdue moves we've actually wanted to make for a long time. This brings me to a quote from a book I'm reading right now by James Clear called Atomic Habits. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. So my challenge to you, if you're reevaluating what's next for you in your career, is to also think about the exact type of person you want to be, to take stock of how you're spending your days what actions you're taking, where you're directing your energy, and the people you are or are not prioritizing. And ask yourself whether you're behaving in a way that's consistent with the person you want to be. And if you're not, to find a way to change how you're running things or how you're reacting to things in your life. Maybe it's a habit or a work pattern you've fallen into that you know deep down isn't sending you in the right direction or serving what's really important to you. Take the initiative to do something about it. Make that change. Do it now before you become the kind of person you don't admire when you look yourself in the mirror. Even if it's a small change, making that change is the first step toward becoming the kind of person you want to be and the kind of person you can feel proud of. If you or someone you know has made a career shift recently, I'm always interested in featuring people who are willing to share their honest, transparent stories on the show. I'd love to hear from you at careerrelaunch.net slash voicemail, where you can leave a message and tell me what change you've had to make or decided to make recently in your own career. You can also visit careerrelaunch.net slash 72, where you can find highlights from my chat today with Christine and learn more about Zip Code Wilmington, that software development bootcamp. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash 72. Thanks so much for listening to Career Relaunch and a very special thanks to Christine Snow for sharing her personal career story with us today from Pennsylvania. All of us in the Career Relaunch community wish you the very best in your new coding career and hope this is the start of a rewarding new chapter in your life. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington. Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu. I hope you remain safe and healthy wherever you are in the world and I look forward to reconnecting with you next time. Take care.